Welcome to For What It's Worth. Y'all got some fucking problems. An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Are we doing this? We're a lot like an old-timey European funhouse. Rue, do you have any rubbers? Am I going to have to cut a bitch? For your mind! <laughs> this show is entrapment. And now, the two swirly tunnel fools. This is that time where everyone can just turn off their podcasting app of choice. Here are Rue and Tugs. And welcome to For What It's Worth. This is Season 7, Episode 15. Something about, I can't remember, the East Meets West. That's what it is. East Meets West. I am Tugs Puppy Bear, and joining me in Salt Lake City is Ruchi C. Lexico the First. Hi! I am here! Is there a I'm second? I'm new here. Oh, there is what? a second! <laughs> I was going to ask if you're the first, is there a second? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, Tugs. So, I'm super excited for this next episode. We're going to be traveling across the world. Yay! It'll be so good. Yes, except you're late. But that's I know. okay. I mean, I was just, I had somebody walk in the room again on me and just said, hi, I'm new here. And hey, just, did you order a things, pizza? Things went out of hand at that particular No, point. they went yeah, in your hand. Yeah, it was the pizza guy. Ew. You don't want the pizza guys in sausage in your hand? I mean, I guess I could. His big and then uncut I get, salami. I mean, then it gives you some extra topping, I guess. So. Whoa! Mm. Oh, like the cinnamon, <laughs> the cinnamon, the Ew. cinnamon ah! topping. Why did you say that? Well, uh, I think that's funny. So, what have you been up to? You know, uh, work has been kicking my butt. Um, Show overall, me your butt. But... I want to see if it's kicked. You, you do. Okay. <laughs> All right, here's the camera. Oh, my God. Are you really? Yeah, here you go. All right, let's see it. There you go. No. <laughs> don't don't, don't promise me ass and then just show me a face. Wait, I guess we're that gonna, isn't ass. I can't tell. This, right? It's radio. Oh, my God. We're, we'll, we'll, fully the, we'll fully end the ass sounds later. But, well, the ass sounds. No, there are no ass <laughs> sounds. And I can see you while we record, so maybe I was excited. But either oh. way, you promised me ass, and I got no ass. This is this is a really good start to this episode. This though. is. So what else? Work's been kicking your ass. Um, so I, I've been watching this Korean, um, Korean show called Busted, on Netflix, and it's pretty, pretty, pretty silly. But if you ever like um, escape rooms. Um, basically they go through, it's like a mystery type thing. They have to figure out who murdered somebody and they go through different escape rooms or, and different things like that. They have to figure puzzles out. So I've been watching that particular show. Um, as far as, um, social things that I've been up to, um, recently I went to Dave and Buster's over in Salt Lake. It's they like opened it? Oh my goodness, they have a Dave and Buster's. Like, I know everybody's like, oh, Dave and Buster's? Oh, yeah, it's been there forever. But for us, it's like, there's so many laws um, in Utah of not being able to have alcohol next to, um, next to the machines, different things like that, that it's caused a lot of issues to be able to try to get Dave and Buster's here. But after they've made some... Um, they had to make some changes. It's considered a restaurant, not a bar. Do they have um, the stupid sign? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, my God. That's dumb. And you can't bring the alcohol over to the games itself. You have to keep it separate. You have to keep it in the bar area. Oh, my God. So, I mean, it's stupid, but would you rather have... For me, I would rather have a Dave & Buster's than not have a Dave & Buster's. So, it was pretty cool. It was fun. What have you been up to, Mr. Tux? I can't... Sorry, I'm just looking this up. Like, I can't believe that they opened. I'm just shocked. I... Wow. Like... Anyway. They opened it up over where the gateway is. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I have to... I'd go look, but here's the thing. Speaking of, of things like arcades and whatever, uh, I discovered round one, which Salt Lake does not have a round one, and the round one by me is like 45 minutes away, so it's not like a thing I would just see normally. And, mm -hmm. um, oh man, my so love. So what is round one? Round one is a, it's a Japanese arcade chain, and they opened up a few locations in the U.S., and they have so many awesome arcade games and they have rekindled my love of the rhythm music games. Like mm. I've always loved them, you know, cause you remember I used to own like 2DX and stuff. And <clears throat> when Ryu was I remember talking that. about it, so uh, but they we ha actually, they have, they have, have 2DX one. and stuff. What? We have one that's going to be opening up. Um, I believe at the end of spring. So in a month or two, the end of spring is in two weeks. So I guess it should be open by now. Either, either Are they opening one there? July. Yeah. Yeah, they're opening one down here. You won't regret it. It's really, really cool. Um, it's It has this game called Groove Coaster that I'm suddenly way into. And then I learned that they have an iOS version. And, oh, man, I love Group Coaster. It's so good. It's stupid good. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's simple. I haven't. It's, you have an avatar, and it follows this line, and then dots will appear in music, uh, in time to the music, and you have to hit the buttons or flick a certain way and stuff. It's simple, but it's kind of like this little adventure, and it's really fun, and I actually like most of the music, too, so... Yeah, it's it's badass. Um, at, at at BLFC, they ended up having um, some sort of contract in which they were able to get a lot, a lot of Japanese games. Nice. And I mean, it was just chuck full. Their arcade was like ten times better than the year before, and um, they actually had one game where is a Taiko Drum. Taiko Drum and Master, yeah. Yeah, they had Taiko Drum Master, and it was just it was so much fun. There was like a line for it. The one thing I learned, though, I asked, and it's kind of, yeah, they are going to open it at Southtown, um, is that your credits don't move from location to location. So that's kind of shitty. What? Yeah. What about Dave and Buster's? Do you know? No, because I don't, I don't there's, the closest Dave and Buster's is even further away than round one. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, I need a Dave and Buster's out, out where you are, so you can drink next to the games. Um, they do have something that just recently opened up. I don't know if I mentioned it, but they have something called Quarters. Here in Salt Lake, that really? just barely opened about, pretty much, but <laughs> it's more focused on old, um, old folk, um, wow, older games um, instead of the newer games, and but it is a bar in which you're able to bring your alcohol and play Street Fighter at the same exact time. That like, sounds pretty like cool. a disaster. Um, <clears throat> it. I I went Friday night and. The first thing that happened when I walked into there, some guy walked up to me, and I've never had this happen. Never. 
Never. He offered me to buy buy me a drink. I didn't even know who he was. Oh, you know what and he wanted. He, I know what he wanted 100%. He wanted my phone number. He wanted everything. And I was like, what in the world is happening? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And why, why is this guy hitting on me? What a fucking Anyways. flimsy attempt. I mean, come on. I mean, at least offer the drink after you get into the place and are sitting down. Oh, it was just a meet. Well, I was in line for a drink itself. So. Oh, okay. It's not like you walked in the door and the guy's like, "Hey, you want a drink?" <laughs> can you can you imagine? Uh, but it was it was darn near that. I've only been there for a minute, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, who is this person?" And I've just never had that experience. Have you ever walked into a bar and somebody besides a friend of yours, <clears throat> a perfect stranger, is like, "Hey, cute stuff." I, I, I want to buy you a drink. I'm way, like, way beyond any kind of <laughs> tolerable standard for good-looking people. It's, and I'm too ugly to get that now. I have not. What? You are not ugly. I'm f- you are not ugly. I'm fat. I'm ugly. Anyway. All right. Do the thing with the cookie. You got your cookie. You don't have a cookie ready, do you? Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. I actually had a cookie ready, um, but this one, um, this one is not sufficient for this particular episode. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did. All right, so do so, you need a new cookie? Um, yes. Yes, I need a new cookie. So give me give me a cookie. You need to sing the cookie song. I don't sing. Sorry, but I will get you a cookie. All right, let's get... Today's fortune cookie is brought to you by Horoscope.com. Horoscope.com, some stupid website I clicked on a Google search. Be the change you want to see in the world in bed with a cookie. There you go. You did it. Yep. But um, I feel like I'm stalling here. Why? So I'll just I'll just read one of these other ones then. Wait, we already did one. Yes, you did it. Okay. Great. So I guess that's the fortune for today. <laughs> You're funny. Okay, we will be back. Time for potty break. Okay, so this episode's going to be a little different because of some technical difficulties we've been having. Rue is currently not on our massive call, the biggest call we've ever had. Uh, Hopefully he can join us later, but if not, Rue, you're already missed by everyone here. This episode is special because we are going halfway around the world and talking with furries in China and also some expatriate furries that are in the US, if I recall correctly. So, first, we are going to start off by saying hello to Simone, whose fault it is that we're doing this. Say hi. Hello there. <laughs> this is Simone. And you are a fox. You live in Shanghai, right? Yeah. Okay, and you've been in the fandom how long? Uh, let me see. I'll say one year. One year. And you don't have a fursuit? 
Uh, I'm working on it. My head is still under construction. Okay. All right. Our next guest is a zebra. Actually, I don't know what he is, but I'm assuming husky. Uh, husky Wang, you live in Shanghai as well, but you're going to go to Europe later this year, and you've been in the fandom for? Yeah, I've been in the fandom, fandom for about two years. And are you a zebra? No, I'm I'm a wolf. <laughs> it didn't. It, to be fair, Simone didn't put that anywhere. I just guessed. <laughs> our, I thought I said that. <laughs> our our third guest. Obvious. My our, name is Husky, right? So I'm a Ukrainian. I know people who have Rue in their name, and they're not a Rue. Yeah. Yeah, that's a funny. Yeah, point. <laughs> All right, our third guest lives in Prince Albert. Makes videos, and I'm not sure if it's on YouTube or on the Chinese equivalent, and has been in the fandom far too long, two years. It is Tommy. Oh, hi, guys. Are you in Prince Albert for real? Uh, I'm in Pennsylvania. PA, In right? Philly, to be exact. Are you in Philly? Oh, man. Yeah. This is the second time we've had someone from Philly in a row. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that, that's interesting. Yeah, do you like the parking authority? Oh, don't tell. Don't don't get me started. Dude. Don't get me started. <laughs> All right, and our last guest is Phantom, a mystery species who lives in Beijing. Been in the fandom for two years and apparently makes fursuits. Yeah, I make my own fursuits. Actually, I'm more than three years of in fandom right now, so I just uh, in the fandom. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So this is kind of interesting. I noticed most of you have, haven't even been in the fandom five years and here I am feeling old. Um, let's, you guys can figure out the order. We'll probably, well, let's not have you figure out the order. That'll be chaos. We'll start in the order I introduced you guys. So talk to me a little bit about, um, why it is that you've only been in the fandom for a short period of time. Is it because the fandom is new in China? Uh, no, let me see. It's probably because I'm still young. And the Zootopia is one of the big things that really dragged me into the fandom. I, I mean, I, I know there's a furry fandom before that because I'm a fan of Elman and the Chipmunks. Uh, after Zootopia, I just start to dip into it. And then I found your show. <laughs> That's what really got me into the furry fandom. You really taught me a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! What is that? <laughs> yeah, you you just gotta listen. That's our kind of humor. Okay, Husky, how come you haven't been in the fandom too terribly long? Same reason? Yeah, mostly. I, uh, no, the main reason is still Zootopia, but uh, I have already found my interest in animals uh, long before I joined the fandom, but. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Nacho, okay. Tommy, now, you've been in two years, but I suspect your entrance is possibly different. Uh, I consider myself a furry, like, uh, six years ago, because my Fur Infinity account was based, like, from 2012, and that was from the period of time when Alpha and Omega, the movie, was first introduced in China. Oh, man. That yeah, that movie but, that movie's terrible. I know it's terrible, <laughs> but it's furry, it's fluffy. <laughs> what can I do about it? I can't help it, dude. <laughs> All right, and and Phantom, what what's your excuse? I don't have it. I just uh, don't know about it. 
I first found out uh, Ferris is uh, when I was still in Canada doing my universities, and uh, just one day I just discovered the very background when I browsing in my Chrome backgrounds, and it's just instantly falling in love with it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, yeah. so let's let's switch up the order a bit, and I'm going to start with you, Tommy, a little bit. Let's let's talk about um, kind of the differences between China and Western culture, and it, and I think that's important for our listeners out there because a lot of people um, that are listening live in, in the Western world, and they honestly, I would say most of them probably will think China is very mysterious. It's very uh-huh. like you can't visit. Maybe you can visit. You know, if you're going to get snooped on, like they have all these weird things that they, like they're not sure about, and so it, it's we need to we need to frame it accurately for them. So, what are some of the biggest differences you would say, Tommy, between between China and Western society? I think the most important thing is the differences between people's attitudes towards things, because uh, Chinese people are so most of them, quote unquote, are pretty like stereotype person that you will ever encounter because they have a lot of things in their mind and they just don't want to change a bit and that is the most like stereotype typical thing that i have two chinese people and i am also a chinese people so i can say that and um (laughs) i have permission (laughs) yeah (laughs) i said it (laughs) and also uh i think one of those major points is um chinese people are pretty much very friendly because if you ask a Chinese people for help, they will definitely, well, somewhat help you. But in the United States, like for example, in New York, nobody's gonna give a shit. Mm, true. So, um, something that I'm curious about, and you, anyone, you want you, anyone can speak up and grab this, um, is the concept of face and reputation. How is that different in China? Oh, that is definitely different. That is like one of the most things that people thrive for. Because uh, in Chinese fandom, there are a lot, a shit ton of drama caused by reputations and the face and also their uh, positions in the fandom. Like somebody's always trying to lead the fandom rather than just everybody else to like form a huge group of people and develop the fandom together. Husky, I'm picking on you next. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on face. Hey. There's no other Husky as far as I know. All right. <laughs> this is how it's going to work. Random picking on you questions. <laughs> yeah. It's like a quiz. I think the uh, Chinese fandom Chinese is uh, pretty much about, yeah, you know, town. Tommy already said most of my opinions. I do I Chinese fandom need, uh, is somewhat uh, somewhat messed up on this part, but you know we may we, we may need a leader in this time of in this period of time. But uh, I think things will change later. So another thing I'm curious about, and I've noticed this with a lot of different Eastern cultures, is individual recognition versus team recognition. I had a a scenario when I lived overseas where we were giving awards out um, for people who had gone uh, above and beyond. They had done extra work. 
And um, the people that were receiving awards from China refused to, to step up and accept them. They wanted their whole team to step up and accept them. So is that is that unique or is that pretty much how it operates a lot of the time over there? Uh, depends. I think uh, most of the time if um, if the, that team has a really pretty particularly good person that doing most of the job, I think most likely he are going to step up. But uh, the reason that they want the whole group up there is nobody wants to be picked up. It's like, why you? Like, uh, why, why not they, the other guys? Like, uh, they want the whole team together. So nobody is going to get him, you know, talks behind the backs or stuff like that. So it's kind of like very shy about it. How? Yeah, to me, uh, sorry about that. No, no, go ahead. Uh, to me, uh, I personally have become one of those people who step up to be the top of the herd, but uh, it doesn't go well because uh, a lot of people is going to be jealous and they're going to try to like use every method they can to bring you down just because they don't like you or you're stealing, quote unquote, stealing their fame and stuff. And uh, that's what a lot of people are fr- afraid of. That's why they choose to like blend it into the crowd and with the team rather than just stick up to be the man of the team. Does that play into face at all? Like if someone steps up and, and takes credit, does it feel like you're stealing face from other people? Kind of, uh, yeah. Sort of. But uh, the main point is they don't want to be like super obvious to be the person who is trying to take all the credit, credit because they think of others will think the same. Okay. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I've heard, although I have not, I, I want to go to China someday, and it's actually probably going to happen, uh, but not yet. Uh, let's talk about personal space. In in Western society, everyone has a bubble, for lack of a better term, around them. Like, if you go up to somebody and get really close to them physically, they don't like it. They, they hate it. And in doing research to get ready for this, I, I read a lot that that's not the case in China. <clears throat> Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. So if I'm walking around the, in in China, am I is someone just going to come up and like put their hand on my back or just get really close? Oh, oh no, that's not going to happen. No, not that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You Chinese know, the people main are gonna... is that there are so many Chinese people. Chinese yeah. So crowded. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are literally no physical space. <laughs> So, so what about mental space then? Does everyone kind of like get in each other's business and go like, why aren't you married? Or does everyone kind of let everyone kind of just chill and think on their own? Oh my God, that's really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's so kind of for you. This is a, dif- a bit different. So for in, in terms of the personal space, um, like in the workplace, I know Western people usually don't talk about each other's families unless they're really, really close. But in China, like uh, most of our colleagues can talk a little bit about their families. You know, they're married or like they're getting uh, getting some troubles, even though they are like pretty new in the company. Like uh, within first half a year, they can as they're actually gonna start to talk about it. But with strangers, Chinese people normally don't go that close. Still, we have a little bit of personal space for the strangers. So, how do you define friends versus acquaintances? My understanding is that it's a little bit different there. 
Um, I'm not familiar with a word acquaintance. Acquaintance is just somebody you know, but wouldn't call a friend. So, like, if I go to the grocery store and there's someone who always I always do the cashiering with, I wouldn't call them a friend necessarily. I would call them an acquaintance. I just know them. Um, whereas a friend is someone that, like, I have someone sitting in the studio right now. They're a friend. You know, I talk to them about personal <coughs> things, get advice, and that sort of thing. Oh, I see. So, I think that the Chinese people don't actually define those two categories too far apart. If, if like, um, for instance, a very good example is in the university, like uh, maybe Husky and um, Tommy can talk about this. Because in Chinese universities, if you go to the cafeteria and you know the, you know the work, uh, staff member there that like, gives you the food, and like you say hi to him every day, and just maybe one day, like they're gonna start to give you more food when you order it, so it's like kind of a blend between. There is no very clear definition, like a clear line between the acquaintances and the friends. It's, you just okay. kind of know them more, and suddenly you became like what do they know of you, and then you become friends sort of things. That sounds uh, I don't, really different than what yeah. I read. <laughs> I, I like that. Though. I don't know about you guys, though, but to me, uh, I think most of my quote-unquote friends are somebody I discuss close things with. And uh, acquaintances is just someone that I could probably get quote-unquote privilege from if they're in a service industry. And uh, that's just like that's typical Chinese. Anyone have anything to add? Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, I don't know how to say this right. You guys are probably going to laugh. What's, what's Chabado? What? What? I, I guess it means good enough. Like, like for instance, uh, if you're working on a project, like you're building a building and one of the tiles on the floor is off slightly. Well, everyone put the tile down and it's done. It's Chabado. It's good enough. Whereas like, here in the United States, someone would be like, I didn't pay you to put that tile down, wonky. Put it down correctly. This might be a regional thing. I'm not sure. Hmm. The word is original, but uh, I don't think the concept is because Chinese people are basically up in the middle because they don't like to judge people. They don't like to like say negative things, but they also do not like to appraise people for what they did like massively so if situations like this happen in china most of the people just uh don't say anything and ignore it just okay this seems good enough and let's just move on it's called chabudu ah uh, there you go see i can't forget <laughs> i my throat can't even make that shape <laughs> so, oh, so so go ahead. so that's the word you were you were talking about yeah i don't know how to oh, say it oh i get it i get it yeah also the trouble this thing is more common when you are not in a kind of work work environment so for my experience i i was working for a company that's like mostly doing the commission works for other companies you know taking the contracts so in our companies uh, we we take the jobs we insisted but sometimes the clients just you know going over and over too much, we'll just don't have enough time to finish the rest of the job, or we'll just go with trouble. Then let's just move on with this. We have to push the deadlines. 
So that's the time we're going to use this. But uh, in the rest of the time, if we have enough time, we'll just do our best. Hmm. That's interesting. It's it's a very alien concept, I think, for a lot of people in the Western world. Um, yeah. It's interesting, so though. <clears throat> because Chinese um, business has a really tight deadlines, like they don't give you enough time for what they're asking for. That's the big reasons that we cannot just push for the things to the right position. It's just not able to be done. Yeah. So you, you guys spoke of of you don't really want to pass judgment on other people, at least not openly, because we all do it privately, right? Um, so I'm wondering, and this kind of ties into I think what most people honestly first thing that comes to mind uh, about China, which is, let's talk about intellectual property a little bit. A lot of people think that like, oh, China just makes fakes of everything. Like they copy a cartoon. They made a fake Disneyland. They did this and that. And is it is it because there wasn't enough time to complete the project? Or is it people just don't care and copyright really isn't a big deal? <clears throat> Oh my god, we have so much to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and you've only got like five minutes, but you know. But it, it's anyway. it's one of those things. So maybe I should ask it this way. Does does the word I can't say, um, does that play into why we see such weird copies of intellectual property? Or is it something else? I think this, this question is very goes deep into the Chinese culture and the, the you know, the political status of the China yeah. government. So this is kind of not natural. Like we all know it. Like most of the Chinese people know it. But the reason for the plagiarism and you know copying the you know making shitty copies of every everything else is that we don't have others to like you know we don't have the better things to do mm. because we don't have Google. So we have a shittier version of Google inside China. We don't have Skype. We have a shittier version of Skype inside, on actually better version of Skype inside China. Actually, and we don't have Twitter. Yeah, we don't have Twitter. We have a shittier version of Twitter inside China. So that's the reason most of the things that we have is kind of a copy of something outside of the China. That I think that's a major reason. So, so I have to ask then, how? How cool is it for you guys to have Shanghai Disneyland then? Because that's a real 100% could fit in anywhere Disneyland. Is that is it a, a thing that you guys are like, that's so cool? Or you're just kind of like, eh. That's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, Why you not? know, that's Disneyland. And you, you have all the Disney characters. That's the main point. <laughs> and it's operated by Disney Corporation. Truly. So, so I, I mean, I've never been, and I don't know if you guys have been, but having having a company come in and give you the authentic, one hundred percent experience, does does it then start to make other things like you kind of are more aware of it? You're like, no, I want the real thing more. Yeah, we do. Actually, like this, these type of people that you are speaking to right now. AKA us uh-huh. are the kind of people that always chase the original ones rather than fake copies and stuff. Because yeah. uh, first off, you're talking to a group of people who have advanced minds in China. Okay. Because a lot of people don't speak English, and uh, that that's the first boundaries of getting contact with Chinese furries. And um, when it comes to things like this, because uh, 
a lot of Chinese people do have the options, but they don't have the money to do it.、Mm-hmm. So that's probably going to explain a lot of the things that you were we were discussing、mm-hmm. like a, a little bit earlier. Right, and and I just to be clear for the audience at home, I I am in no way insinuating that like people are willingly choosing to come off one way or another. You know, I just it's just you know curiosity more than anything. So just for the record, you know, I <laughs> I want to go to Shanghai Disneyland so bad. Like that's like on my list of things I got to do in the next three years. Um, so. Because Disneyland is is pop culture、um, adjusted for China, there are other pop culture elements that come into China. I'm sure. So there are other fandoms. I know for sure you guys have got anime,、um, but how, what kind of fandoms do you have that might be common with Western society? I think most of it is same. So just、uh, whatever you guys are exposed to, we have it, unless it's really sexual or anything that's government or very concerned of. Yeah, kinky stuff. <laughs> yeah, which is kinky stuff. We still have a culture. It's just going dark.、We、yeah, it's, it's red light. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you guys? I, I'm curious. Do you have? I don't know. If Star Trek is very popular there. Is that one of those fandoms that is in China, or is it more like Star Wars? Oh, Star Trek is not popular in China. Star Wars. Yeah, it's more like Star Wars. <laughs> They do have a like considerable fan base, but it's not that much. Yes,、yeah, not nowhere near the Americans ratios. Like Star Wars is more likely the ratio, but the Star Trek is really not there.、Hmm. So, I I'm curious. I'm I, I'm going to come back to this. So you have a moment to think about it. But I'm gonna I, I'm going to turn the tables and see if you guys have any questions about like why the hell do people do this in Western society or what's the 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 thinking behind this.、Um, So you've got a second to to think about that,、um, and I'm I'm gonna place this on you, Tommy, because you probably understand more of those weird nuances. Describe to me then if I am if I'm from the United States, Canada, wherever in the Western world, and I go to China, what are the first things I'm gonna notice that are different when I land and get off the plane? Okay, so the first thing I think you will notice is how much people use their cell phones because.、Uh, As you know, Apple Pay is pretty much a big thing in the United States, but there are way more wire- wireless payments done in China, like transactions, millions and billions of money, like in one day, and they all are coming through only two apps in China. One of them is called WeChat, and one, the other is called AliPay. So that is definitely something you are gonna encounter the first thing you noticed, because.、Um, For example, you call a Uber, right? So、mm-hmm. th- that is one of the major resources of Chinese people going out, because uh, uh, China- Chinese have less vehicles per person compared to the Western countries, and、um, I think besides that is all other transportations. Because in Shanghai and a, lo- a lot of other cities in China, you can always scan a QR code to get inside a metro system. So that is something that will never be seen in Western countries, I guess. So actually, I add on that. So in China, in the big cities, we don't carry cash. We just use cell phones. That's it. We can do everything, every grocery store, anything in cell phone and scan your code to pay to anybody. And、oh, that's e- yeah. Even in like、uh, merchant markets, like.、Uh, 
super fresh farmer markets, anything like that. You don't even have to have a credit card, just one debit card attached to your Alipay account and you're good to go. Can many, I, can I can use many Apple Pay? Some, right. <laughs> is Apple Pay a thing there? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. A it's a small thing. It's a small, tiny thing, but <laughs> nothing comparable to like the the two apps that I just mentioned. Okay. What's what is some of the other stuff I would notice? You don't have Google. <laughs> <laughs> like no Twitter. Yeah, you you laugh, but it's it's something to think about because so many people like I'm on. I have Twitter open right now. Um, I have Google open right now to look at my show notes and it's something interesting to think what if google wasn't there what if i had to use baidu all the time it was here yeah it's it just was. Uh, we kicked them out somebody <laughs> in high kicked them out i thought, they, the, uh, I thought they were sort of there though. This, this is a sarcastic laugh we all want google we know baidu sucks sucks to the hell and yeah this is sarcastic <laughs> but um also, if you- i think if you're in the United States and your Apple, uh, Google Store, or anything like that, accounts are the regions of the the account is located in the United States, so you have access to all the VPNs available, mm-hmm. but you won't get those in China. For example, if I have a lot of like Chinese apps, I want to update them. I have to switch regions from the United States to China back to get those apps updated. And if I switch back to the United States region or other countries who allows VPN, you can basically download a lot of them and subscribe to some of them, and you will be good in China uh, if you have internet connection at all. What can I expect that would be different with food? Oh, So much better? So yeah, much better. <laughs> that's one way to put it. So you, you definitely have heard of a dish called General Tso's chicken, right? Which is not at all like what you guys have. Yeah, that's completely different. <laughs> <You're>, you, <laughs> it's true, like, though. Western Chinese food is bullshit. <laughs> like uh, yeah. Panda Express, that's just bullshit. Dude. It is bullshit, but bullshit. it's tasty no, bullshit. Yeah, and a lot of United States people love them. But... Uh, <laughs> If you were looking for some uh, authentic Chinese uh, food and other stuff, you better go to New York, and there's a place called Flush. Flush? Yeah, that that's like one portion of New York, and it's flooded with Chinese people, and there are a super uh, considerable amount of Chinese food and other stuff you'll experience in China, like the exact same thing. I, I think when I think of Chinese food, I think, well, first of all, the Americanized version is, is bullshit. It's tasty bullshit, but it's still bullshit. But then I also wonder, like, I feel, and this is a pure perception problem, and it's my perception problem, so help me learn, is that it's all, like, fish paste-based stuff. Like, I, I just feel like there's a lot of fish in the Chinese diet. Is that true? No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. That's a big no-no for you, because um, a lot of those... Famous foods, famous dishes in the United States here have something called fish paste. But um, in China, there are way more categories of Chinese food that you can experience without the fish paste. But also, then again, fish is one of the big portions of Chinese food. For example, if you're like try, trying to look for a 
better Chinese cuisine, you better search it up to see if they have like fishes that people love, and that's one of the measurements for how good the cuisine is. Huh. Good to know. Um, all right, and I guess I I took two of them off of off of your list, but what what's the last thing that you would say I would notice now? Rather than let's don't think about the airport this time. Think about if I'm walking down the street as as a Westerner, what am I going to notice that's different? The first thing. Don't cross the the crossway when the light is green. So you have to watch your left and right. Don't just go straight and like, nobody cares. The the car is gonna hit you. What? So be really careful when you go across the road. Is that true in Beijing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking about careful. this, it's like uh, Chinese people love electrical bikes. It's like scooters, but it doesn't use oil. It, yeah. It uses oh, electric. Oh, yeah. And uh, that is like one of the major transportation in China, and there are even no, no, like no. cities in Beijing or Shanghai. The flat cities, the mountain cities, don't use. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, um, it's gonna be like a flush of bugs or flies rushing through you when you're in the traffic. It's just that bad, and they are not very polite when it comes to driving. And also, um, Chinese drivers are all except from the major like two cities. One is Shanghai, and the other one is Hangzhou. Besides those two cities. All Chinese drivers are like New York drivers, New York taxi drivers. Oh, worse and the worst. Yeah. <laughs> True. All right, so that was the five. All right, did you guys come up with any questions you'd like to ask of someone who lives in the West? Uh, I do have a question though, oh, because um, oh dear. I'm doing like videos and stuff in China, and I noticed that Chinese fandom, a furry fandom, I mean, and a lot of people are very close close-minded with the Japanese fandom because Japanese furry fandom does not create much like video stuff not like hansy pansy and uh things like that there's no a lot of there's not a lot of YouTube and other videos going on like vines and stuff mm -hmm. but um the Chinese people basically did the same because they have a lot of popular but they don't post a lot of videos the the most frequent ones you'll see is anime dances and that's it mm -hmm. so i'm like the first person who do that and a lot of people are just like oh what is this oh whoa and that makes me really confused because i don't know why people don't do that and that's one of the major questions i have about you guys because you guys clearly did youtube and podcast so what what is your state state of mind when you decided to share your stories and share your knowledge and other stuff to connect with other people? Well, um, so I have the weirdest story, I think, of anyone I know as far as um, how I decided to just talk about this so openly because I, I would argue that a lot of people even here would not be so super open about it. Uh, I mean, especially if you look at the ratio of furries who make content versus furries who consume content, there's not really a comparison. <laughs> Excuse me. It's like 4%, right? Something like According that. According to the 2017 uh, furry science report. Mm -hmm. My nose has decided to go and explode, apparently. Hold on. <coughs> you ever get that tickle in your nose? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was mine. Um, 
No, so I I was not like the most open person about it, and then Margaret Cho interviewed me, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. I mean, you know, Margaret Cho's a friend, and and like maybe five people I know will watch this, and no, it was like everybody suddenly knew that I was a furry because. I was on that, you know, but at the same time, because I didn't have a choice about it, when someone who is a reasonably well-known person says, oh, you're a furry, let's talk about it, they kind of get have your back, so people don't go after you as much about it. They're not like, oh, you're a freak. They're like, oh, okay, you, you, ha- you hung out with someone who has credibility, so it's fine. Um, but I don't, but that's unique. I don't think a lot of people would do that. Part of it is... Um, People who don't have a lot to lose professionally don't care. And it's also part of it is being a state of mind because it is, it is rather interesting to say, Hey, I want you to see me as a dog. I want you to see me as a cat or a zebra or whatever. And, and for people to be okay with that, uh, is a little strange, but because I think, um, Western society has shifted so much to be more open-minded. It's not as taboo as it was say even 10 years ago. Um, it's, it's become more mainstream where people are okay saying it. And so people think that there's safety in numbers and so more people are like, okay, I'm kind of into that. I am into that. I'm going to make content about it. And part of it too, is you've got to have equipment and stuff to make the, these sorts of things. And like the studio equipment I use, it's not the cheapest equipment, you know? So it, it comes down to also just ability to make it. I mean, your phone is, is a nice camera, but you're not going to be making HBO level content with your phone. It's just not how it works. That answer it. Uh, I think a lot of people in China do have fancy equipments, like, uh, let me think, like five thousand dollar worth of camera and Ooh. other stuff. What? But they just don't. <laughs> yeah, they just don't don't make content at all. But do you? But do you they think it like might have to do with not stories. standing out? Yeah, they don't. They don't make videos about things. That's one of the major reasons where you don't see any like public or. Chinese furries out there. Hmm. And the closest one to China, I think, is Beagle in Red. He's part, uh, he, he's born in the United States, born in New York, actually, but his uh, family was from Taiwan. That is the closest guy that I've ever heard of in the fandom who was a popular and has somewhat close relationship to China. You know, I, I don't know if I can fully answer the question the way you probably want. So, hey, audience, you should answer the question and we will read them on the next episode. <laughs> it's a cop out, but I, I think that there's a lot of perspective in there and I don't want to be defining it for what it is when it's probably a lot wider. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. Anyone else have any questions they want to ask? Yeah, actually, I have one. Okay. So in terms of uh, February going public, um, I think there is still a lot of difference between Western and Chinese first. So in China, when we go to first thing outside, they just, uh, people just curious and uh, they are just, you know, gathered around and watch what's happening and they're, they're very curious about what's this and uh, they're very new about it. Mm-hmm. So I know in the Westerns, there's some kind of perspective that furries kinky stuff. And then so that's you guys getting a lot of bad names about it. I'm not sure if that's true or if this is a general case that I want to ask audience. How would your boss or colleagues perform, uh, you know, um, react if you suit up into the work when doing Halloween or something like that? Um, you know, it depends on, 
on two things. It depends on how you present it and what they previously know. And a lot of the time, because media is always about what's scandalous versus what are the facts, because they've got to sell ads, um, a lot of people think, oh, it's a sex thing. And okay, yeah, sure, there's a lot of sexuality in furry, but it's not a sex thing. So that's where it comes into play. So like my last job, um, I told my boss there was a furry. He's like, where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to a convention. And he was curious and he asked. And I said, you know, it's, it's where people who dress up like, you know, Disney characters, but not Disney characters, their own creations. And they costume and stuff. We have, we drink, we party. Some people get to go off to bed and have a good time. Some people don't. And because I controlled how it was presented to him and I acted like it was a normal thing, it completely didn't matter to my boss. He's like, cool, go have fun with your friends. Um, but yeah. but you've got to have the confidence uh, to to know that you can say that and, and be confident in your delivery. Because our fandom is so young, a lot of it, and when I say young, I mean age-wise, um, a lot of people who are in their 20s feel like if they say something weird or what could be viewed as weird, that they would lose their job right away. And so a lot of them feel like they have a lot to lose. And so they just let, kind of let, in a way, the sexual myth persist versus saying, oh, no, I'm going to go to a furry con. I'm not 20 anymore, so maybe it's changed. But that's how it was when I was in my 20s. That's interesting. Any other, Anyone else have questions? Oh, yeah, there's one more. Uh, where do you live in, like, suburban areas or downtown? I live in the suburb. A lot of people... A lot of people typically don't live downtown in whatever city they're in, in large cities, because it's so expensive. It's it's thousands of dollars more to live downtown. It's convenient. You don't have any space, and you probably don't need a car. Uh, but it's more affordable to live in a suburb and then commute. Oh, tell me about it. One room in my apartment, which is 4B4B, mm -hmm. uh, cost me 1300 a month in Philly. That's a lot of money. It's like... Two uh two months and you'll get a straight fursuit. Oh, and um the the major question is not here. The major question is, what do you think? Like uh you have a fursuit, right? Uh, which is retired, but yeah. Okay, so public fursuiting in big cities and small cities. Mm -hmm. I don't know the difference because I live in Philly and never been to public fursuiting in anywhere else, and people just shoot me the dirtiest look they have, like. Oh my god. And that is so funny because I can see their face, they can see mine. Yeah, they think that you can't see them. Uh, <laughs> I think you're going to get that reaction in a smaller town. So, in in the western world, um, smaller towns tend to be more conservative, meaning that they have more, more religious people, more people who are in, into spirituality and things like the Bible and so forth. Um, and because of that, they have a different sense of community and how they interpret the world. Whereas in larger cities, you've got much more diversity. You're less likely to find someone from India or China or Europe in a small town than you are a big city because of the services offered. And because there's so much diversity in a larger city, um, especially as you go towards the Western coast, um, people typically don't care. They're going to leave you alone because ultimately over the years as well, it's a big city. People walk around in their underwear in, in even New York. Right. Um, and so they, they they tend to leave you alone. They'll probably keep their thoughts a little more private. Um, but that's just because they have so many different walks of life crossing. Okay. I get you because 
last time I was fursuing, I went to a Wawa and they asked me to take off my fursuit hat. I was like, oh, oh okay. That's a crime thing. That's one of the downsides yeah. of large cities. Large cities, you're going to get more crime. And so if they can't see your face, the police can't find you if you did something bad. But because one person did something bad, everybody does something bad. Yeah, I know. And that is never going to happen in China because Chinese people, they, they just love mascots. They mess with them. I, I wish we had more of that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay, I have an email. Oh. Unless, was that a question I heard? No, no, no. Okay. All right. So before we go to break, let's read. I'm going to read this email. Um, no, I'm not going to read this email. I'm going to pick on someone. Simone, you get to read this email from Kit. Kit, uh, Kit. Uh, hello to the cast of Forward His Words to, and to his guests. It's Kit. I want to. What's it? Chime. 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 about this week's topic of Chinese furries. I think that it's wonderful that we have furries that are from all around the world. Anyhow, <laughs> I... <laughs> that's how it's spelled. I finally know that. Uh, I'm interested in language and then how language related to different culture and people. Is that said, I'm curious to know, is there a word for furry that is in Mandarin Chinese? If there is, then what is it? In addition, have other terms and apply, uh, that apply to furries be, been translated into Mandarin Chinese as well or not? Most examples that I can think of do involve the word fur, however, an example that does not is scratch. Scritch. Thank you for taking the time to read this email. I hope that all of you are doing well with love and cookies, Kit. So, you get the privilege of first answer. What is the word for furry in Chinese? Okay, so the word for furries in Chinese doesn't really have a fur in it. Usually we call it shoumi. Uh, that means that, that thing beast fans to translate it directly right, yeah, I'm sure. sending it through the chat right now it's like three words it's kimono fans and kimono fans and furry fans it's yeah. like a com combination of these characters so this is not a standard translation in China for the furries so we're still figuring out what to do with this word because the word for shodan that we typically use is more involved with orcs in the Western world. So that's kind of mixed up when the people trying to know, okay, you're into the, the orcs? And the West said, no, 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 that's totally not the thing. And the, the, so this is kind of really um, struggling for us to have a accurate transfer, uh, translations for the furries. Yeah, which is why I bring up kimono as a term, because this is basically what kimono means in Japanese. And uh, you guys have all heard of a fursuit type called kimono suits. That's one of the styles. And that is somewhat just called uh, furries in Japanese. It's just kimono, stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, what about other words like scritch? I have no idea what's that. So, okay, if you've seen Robin Hood... Disney's animated Robin Hood. There's a uh -huh. scene somewhere where someone is scratching the top of someone else's head, and it makes that oh. little er, er, er sound. 
that's like it's like a sound only an animal would make scratching another animal, right? That's so scratching. Like sound making word, right? It's sort of. It's just that act. It's it it specifically means an animal scratching another animal. So I'm scratching someone. It. It's called a now, now yeah yeah now. Okay, that's kind of <laughs> strange because you know Chinese word uh, kind of you know mixed up for other meanings and uh, maybe lots of word has a similar sounds. Than the Western uh, uh, mm, typical words, mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to uh, know the difference between uh, words just by sound if you don't know Chinese well. <laughs> I have to learn. Okay, <laughs> let's go to our first break. Then we're going to come back, and then we're really going to dig into the fandom in China. So we'll see you after space news. Hailing frequencies open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, May 30th, here are your space headlines. NASA is trying to figure out what they want to do with the ISS after 2024. Right now, that's when the station is set to have all support discontinued, no more resupply missions, at least from the US. And without support from the US, the cost of upkeep will become too much for the rest of the involved nations to take up. Russia may take their modules from the station and leave the rest to be disposed of, meaning it would deorbit, burn up, and crash into the ocean. There is the possibility that privatization could help alleviate the cost, but the possible revenue streams are too far into the future for most venture capitalists to want to invest in. Right now, it's kind of uncertain what's going to happen. Extending the station's support to 2028 could pull support funding and momentum from human spaceflight to the moon and beyond. Only time will tell what will happen to Izzy as the station is called from the book Seven Eves. I really like that. Orbital ATK, a space division of Northrop Grumman, launched an Antares rocket with a Cygnus cargo vehicle recently. It took its usual three-day trip to reach the station, delivering 3,268 kilograms, that's 7,205 pounds, of cargo. Once it arrived, the station reached out with its robotic arm and berthed the visiting vehicle to the station. It'll spend two months on site, then it'll be loaded up with garbage the station needs to dispose of and released to re-enter. Something interesting that was carried to the station was the Cold Atom Laboratory, an experiment designed to use lasers to create the coldest place man has ever created, down to less than one nanokelvin. That's within one billionth of a degree of absolute zero. The idea is to slow matter down so much that it allows scientists to observe Bose-Einstein condensates. They usually don't last long enough to observe for any significant amount of time in a particle accelerator, but with the Cold Atom Lab, they could observe them for much longer. This could help unlock a better understanding of particle physics. Shortly after Antares, a Falcon 9 lifted off from Vandenberg. It was carrying two payloads on board. One was a collection of five satellites for the Iridium Next fleet, and the other was a pair of satellites for NASA, the GRACE-FO mission. That stands for Gravity Recovery and Climate Experiment Follow-On Mission, which is picking up from where the previous GRACE mission left off last year. The two satellites orbit and measure Earth's water in motion. That means it can measure rainfall, the flow of rivers, the currents of the oceans, and even how much ice melt is occurring. It was lofted atop a reflown booster, the same one that carried the Zuma payload back in January. The booster was not recovered, no doubt because SpaceX wants to focus on the Block 5. They did attempt to catch the payload fairing, but were unsuccessful. Hopefully, they'll pull it off soon. Virgin Galactic recently completed the second powered flight test of their new suborbital vehicle, the VSS Unity. 
It was a successful test, bringing them one step closer to being able to take passengers on their flights. The race is on to see which company can get commercial passengers to fly first. Will it be Blue Origin? SpaceX? Boeing? Or will Virgin Galactic snatch the title from them all? Last but certainly not least, it is with a heavy heart that I report the passing of Apollo astronaut-turned-painter Alan Bean. He was 86 years old and the fourth man to walk on the moon. He then spent two months on board Skylab after the moon missions were canceled and left NASA to pursue his love of art. He stands as the only artist to walk on the moon. There hasn't been anyone else who's gone to the lunar surface that could take that experience and create any sort of art of it. Painting, drawings, poetry, anything. He wanted so badly to create pieces that captured what he experienced and give the rest of humanity a chance to feel the same sense of awe and wonder. He even managed to sneak some moon dust into a few of the paintings. It was extracted from the mission patches he wore while on EVA. It isn't much, and it required the destruction of small clippings from his patches to accomplish, but he made those few paintings that much more special. Farewell, Alan Bean. You will be sorely missed. There are now only four men left alive who have walked on the moon. We're running out of moon men. Let's make some more before they go extinct. That's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. This is Moss the Fennec Fox, and I can't be the only one whose phone decides to play the episodes at literally the worst time. It started playing the Bondage episode when I was giving a friend a ride home. You're listening to For What It's Worth. Uh, I was having so much fun by myself, Rue. I know, I know. I've came to ruin the show. <laughs> ah, Rue jokes. Well, yeah, hey, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to thank Moss for that wonderful, wonderful ident. So thank you so much for sending those in. And if you want to hear your ident here on For What It's Worth, make sure you send your audio clip to cast at for what it's worth.com instructions are on our site it's on the main menu bar click do our ident awesome so tugs mm-hmm. i heard that we have some people that have given us money oh i know okay so it's time for us to do the worship of our wonderful patreon sponsors as you know patreon funds the show and we've raised over a little over twenty one hundred dollars so far since we started this which is incredible we bought studio equipment we bought all kinds of things we need we funded our live shows and we're paying for our hosting this month so thank you to everybody and now we will name the people who we have sold out to so first we're going to start out with epic rive then we're going to go to hachi then simone simone you're here so i'm just going to say thanks to you personally you're welcome (laughs) we have booga Snares, Skylos, Lucar, Hot Sauce, Guardian Lion, which I can't remember who that is. Um, sorry, Loki Mutt. Then we have Rifka. We have Ichi, Kit, and at the top of the list is Cody. What is wrong with the world? What? I know. 
He just wants stickers. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah. So we have so many stickers now. It's crazy. Oh, wait, wait. And then I forgot somebody. We have Dusky because he's on the list of people I still have to process for this month. They're on separate lists, you see. So also Dusky. And we're yeah. sorry, but but Dokos is gone. No more Dokos jokes. <gasps> I know. So if you would like to support the show and have money that you feel like throwing into an endless pit, go to patreon.com slash FWIW and you too can join the elite people who are supporting us. And there's a new perk coming. So yes, that perk is feed through cookies. That That's is, the perk. That is not a perk. Hedonism. <laughs> I'm just imagining you're hedonism. You're like, oh, oh, cookies. You know, I have actually seen that on Twitter, Tugs. Actually seen that. Somebody posted on Twitter, feed me pizza patron. No. So, so I need a feed, feed me cookies patron, right? You okay. need, you need, uh, you need a, I don't want to eat food anymore patron. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's dig into the differences. Or uh, not differences. I keep saying that. Let's dig into the Chinese furry fandom. Well, and we'll start off with this email and I'm going to read it because it's a little long. And I okay. wouldn't do that to anybody. It has been edited. Uh, it says, Dear Fulwa Group, Greetings. This is Harker speaking. I'm a migratory peregrine falcon between a coastal... I'm not. I'm going to butcher this guy. Shandong <laughs> and Central Tennessee. And I have been an avian since somewhere in middle school where I stumbled upon the most predominant furry forum, the furry Tieba or Shorenba. I, 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 I sound so awful. Uh, tracing the source of drawing an eagle. I would say the Chinese fandom is quite an interesting mixing pot, if not a troublesome one. I have some personal observations listed below, and a lot of them might not be accurate, uh, as myself is not involved in the deeper workings of the Chinese fandom, and I hope this keeps your episode going. Firstly, the Chinese fandom is quite dispersed. On the one hand, I do not envision more than 100 complete fursuits in the entirety of China as of now. The good part is there are no particular stigmas specifically towards furries in China, and there is almost no inter-fandom hostility. But the catch is that every stigma towards the anime fandom is also applied to the furries, with an extra pinch of gay. That sounds like a wonderful cookie. I am sure you've heard of the idiom, 9 out of 10 furries are gay, the rest is a girl from Chinese furries before. I haven't. And drama, which makes things worse. Secondly, I'm convinced that most, if not all Chinese furries, can do art to at least some degree. The portion of artists is so disproportionately high that I have long been convinced that you cannot be a furry if you do not paint, and for a while I thought there are art exams to become a furry. But whatever the style is, most of them are extremely humble and view foreign furry artists as idolized goals that they are forever inferior to. Another interesting phenomenon is that quite a lot of anime artists have started to draw fursonas without referencing either western furry art or actual animals. The end results are often vague, canine quadruped mammals with disproportionately large eyes, huge flat faces, and no muzzle. Things that are cute to anime people, but actual furry's reaction to them ranges from neutral to disgust. And naturally, our commission prices are dirt cheap, just like most of the other stuff in China. As for conventions, only since last year have we held the first convention in China, and this year we would have two conventions as far as I know. There are no Western-style furry conventions planned in China right now. Most conventions take a Japanese style with the location at convention centers rather than hotels, and with vendors, or dealers den, occupying the majority of it, with added accommodations for fursuits being the only difference. On a final note, as of the Chinese community, it's been waist deep in trouble and drama, sometimes shallower and deeper, but I'm afraid that it's going to be this way as long as the Great Firewall still stands. Because the fandom is highly dependent on the internet and loss of access to a large portion of it is extremely unhealthy to the fandom. 
One carefully placed malicious report can erase whole communities from the map overnight. Spoiler, all the previous predominant furry forms and communities in China met their fate this way. These, plus some extremely drama-prone and power-hungry individuals who have nothing better to do than vying for control, are things that make a lot of great Chinese artists retreat to FA, which is not blocked, and other foreign art sites entirely. It's like a brain drain, and it's saddening. That's all I had to say. I'm sorry for making you read these incoherent rant rabbles, and I sincerely hope you find something useful out of it. Time is low for me. Hope you all have a great day. Harker. All right. So thank you so much, Harker, for sending that in. So we're going to turn this email over to you guys. So let's go ahead and um, start with Husky. What is your um, what is your feelings about this particular email? Wow, this is a, a lot for me to take in. <laughs> he has to think. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have a reaction they want to share immediately, or are you all kind of in thought? Yeah, so this email actually speaks most of the truth. I think it's pretty accurate about the very fantasy in China. We are, we have a lot of drama since we are fairly new, and the, there's not a lot of, you know, talented people that can stand out and, uh, you know, get the things moving forward as the Western fairy uh, fandoms. So there are few people that's, like, doing an okay job. Now they become, and in the early times, then becomes the big heads in the fandom and they are not really that nice to other people. So there are lots of dramas going on with uh, inside of the Chinese fandom. And also he talks about the government cen um, <clears throat> censorships. That's also another big part which ruined at least four very forms that's, uh, that's like uh, really big. And that only like really sad for us because we don't have a nice um, form or place to go on the internet and uh, so now the Chinese uh, fairies are mostly gathered in a telegram chat group style um, um, places to you know talk to each other and this this means the fairies inside China is very, very separated they barely talk to each other, the, the, the groups are very separated and just segmented around the internet. And we don't have a one place to, you know, unite together or talk to each other a lot. Is, is it so are you guys current, uh, sorry, uh, are you guys currently using Telegram? No, we can't use Telegram. We have another alternative. I just, well, what I'm speaking of is just a Chinese alternative version of what the Americans are used to. So it's easier for you to understand. So is it because the servers were based in China and the government shut them down, or because they blocked it? They, just they blocked are it. yeah. Sometimes the forms are uh, servers outside China, like in America, so the government will just block it with firewall. And sometimes the service inside China, but somebody reported it, so the server is no longer um, there. So do they, they not? Do they not all... VPN then? I mean, is VPN hard to get? VPN is not hard to get, but it's a cost. You have to pay for it. I mean, and it's the, a little bit tricky for people who don't know about internet, because you basically have to like uh, hold up your own server located outside of China, and a lot of people don't know how to do that, but they just switch to alternatives of VPN apps and softwares, which are getting banned more and more throughout the time. Huh. 
what about this um, this saying that what is it? Nine out of ten furries are gay. The rest is a girl. I have Actually, I, a, I have a better version of it. It's called ten furries, nine are gay, and the other one is on his way. Actually, that's not true. I've got data. Some from the global data from Dr. Nuka, and also have some data done by Shu. Uh, it's a survey based on Taiwan furry fandom. Uh, I guess that's quite close to our uh, mainline fandom. They say uh, 41.9% of furries are gay and 12.9% are heterosexual. What are the rest? Bicycles? Bicycles uh. are 24.5%. And asexual, 5.8%. Also pansexual and other, 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 others. You know, I have met some uh, heterosexual furries in my life and also met with asexuals. So it's quite everything's here. So this begs the question then, is being gay something that is persecuted in China or do it doesn't not matter? Is there gay marriage? No, no gay there marriage is no gay not. marriage. And uh, being gay is kind of a taboo in China, but not among younger generations because we get more exposed to information from outside of China and from the international society. So we accept more, but we still, a lot of Chinese people still think that's a taboo. So this is actually a bit more political questions than it used to be. So gay is now getting more and more pressures by the government than it used to be. So the Chinese government since we changed the leaders. And uh, the older times it's much open to the gay and uh, they even allowed you know, the gay people, uh, gay bars, you know, the gay uh -huh. have bars that, you know, gay people just gathering around in the bars. And nowadays, those type of stuff, um, places getting harder and harder to run and uh, getting more pressures by the upper government. This makes me sad. Well, it's nice to be accepted. Yeah, yeah, we would love to, but um, gay people are just getting a harder life in China, just like Russia. Mm, true. Oh, Mother Russia. Oh yes. All <laughs> well, right. You know, I think it's just—I think it's just with time. I mean, I—I know—I know that the—I mean, we're not going to go too much into government structures and different things like that. But I'm sure that through time, and through different changes, I'm—I—I I know that I. <laughs> I'm just crossing my fingers here that you guys will have um, those rights over there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's all hope that. Um, so I was going to ask you guys, what, what do you find most different uh, um, about Western furries? And I think that we actually have an email that goes with that. Is that correct, Tugs? Yes. I was going to pick on Husky to read Dusky's email because they rhymed. Hey. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey there, for what it was, ah, Hey there, for what it's worth, friends. Saw the next show as was on Chinese first, so I figured I try and post a question for your guests. How do Chinese furries anthropomorphize animals differently differently than Westerners? I imagine not all the stereotypes and traits we assign to our characters 
already in this part of the world would translate directly to audiences elsewhere in the world, especially to a country with such rich and diverse folklore and tra tradition going back as long as it does. If your guests would like, I'd also be curious to see as to which of our more typical characterizations were the most widely different from their own. Looking forward to learning from you and your esteemed guests to the show. Dusky. Right. Who wants to take first crack? Okay, I'll do it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, um, furries in China is a huge, like, concept because uh, if you take a closer look at Chinese traditional culture, there are a lot of mysterious creatures like uh, eastern dragons and uh, other sons of dragons. And there are even novels and writings about all the different, like, uh, myths about things that are closely related to animals and there is see a like a sort of like a common sense from the ancient time is that when an animal like try to train himself for more than a thousand year they can turn into human and if uh, if they didn't reach that amount of time of training they will just go partly human so that's the anthro Promorphism of ancient Chinese people, and as for the recent centuries, um, during the early, like, twenty-first century, I guess there are a lot of Chinese furry cartoons going on, and that is like a lot of people are becoming furries because of that because they saw those as a kid and they found them interesting, and when they grow up, they see the concept of furries and they just dive into it. So, um, as for the anthropomorphize, is not much difference. It's just animals with human personalities or fantasy animals, just like how Dutch Angel Dragon works. I have other things to that. So, Chinese uh, furries, um, most of um, actually a large part of them is um, doing their characters' personas more than Japanese styles than the American style. It's kind of a mixed max in the both styles. So Japanese uh, furry persona has a short face. They've been more cute to the animal anime style than the Westerns, which is strives more to a animal, uh, more like an animal and uh, have a much like a Disney styles. So Tuning. that's, uh, yeah, Tuning styles. So that's a major difference, I think, in Chinese culture, uh, furry cultures. And talking about those animals who train themselves to become humans in Meow. the old tales, they most they are mostly foxes. And yeah, mostly foxes. Foxes have a complicated reputation in ancient China. It's already said those female foxes uh, train themselves and become beautiful girls to charm people. So. One of the very interesting things is, uh, according to Shu's research, the persona choosing in China is quite different from those in America. Of course, folks, uh, I mean, wolf ranked the first. And Yay. 
comes after it uh, big cats, then dogs, dragons, hybrid cat, then comes fox. And if you look the female data of it, fox just fall far behind. Really, uh, girls in China just don't want to be foxes, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the stereotypes, just like how uh, Zootopia interpret fox as shifty and 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 not trustworthy. Uh, Chinese people have also got their own version of stereotypes among foxes, which is sexual and uh, shifty things like that. But I like a sexy fox. <laughs> so, Who so does, does that it? mean that tugs that I'm that I'm actually hiding the fact that I am actually a woman this whole entire time? I told <laughs> them when you came on the call to ask you how your transition was going, and they all were way too polite. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. I brought it up, so there we. <laughs> so no, next... Tommy said you'll kill me if I ask you. No, no, no. No, I won't kill you. I'll just, I'll just slowly just, just pet you until you're dead. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm oh my joking. god. Oh my god. So, so tell me about this convention. Like, I, I learned about this convention and then I went to Nuke and I go, Did you know there was a con? And he was all like, Well, of course I knew there was a con. I'm like, Shut up, PhD. And so, <laughs> like, like oh, what, oh. what was this? Where was it? Who went? Did you, any of you go? Oh my God, this is so much story to talk about. That's a shit, shit, so terrible. That con. This is a. <laughs> That's like we can rant for this for an hour about it, how terrible it is. Uh, even though, I, like, not only as a furry, but also as a pursuer, this is so terrible. So, because um, in China we don't have so much cons going on, so this this con we are talking about the last going on last year is the only con that has been going on for three three years. So wait, this, wait, wait! Three well, years? This thing has been going on for three years. Yes. Yep. How did I not know about this? I'm so mad at the internet. Okay, keep going. <laughs> it's China. You will never know anything in China. <laughs> okay, so this con has been going on three years. Everybody knows it. So the the organizers who just you know just getting you know getting ahead of himself, thinking, oh yeah, I'm the biggest con in China. I just do everything I wanted. So last year he hosted the con underground inside the underground mall. And that's not all the malls. There is a space inside that mall which is not floored. The floor it's is like... concrete. It's raw concrete. You have dust, the concrete dust on it. You know, you just, it's kind of the finish of the building and that's it. It's just like a uh, unfurbished uh, art gallery. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That sounds the floor so is not even flat. The floor has a concrete dust on it. It's like they finished the building and that room is stays that way. That's kind of the condition it was. So and that the the space underground because and it is hosting in summer of course. So the summer time in the South China is super hot and super humid. Uh, uh, humidity is super high, and so things getting so worse. And that space inside of the mall has not enough air conditioning at all. The temperature at that time is like 27, 28 Celsius, which translates to how many Fahrenheit? I'm not sure. Probably 75. 
Yeah. So and the crowd is so many people in there. So and that's not a big space, which occupied by at least two thousand attendees at that day. And the people are so many, they lined up outside of that um that room for like two hours before they could get in. And the crowd inside the room is so crowded. The security has to control the amount of people that get into the room. So it's so terrible uh, experience for us. And we're the I think this year we have four counts going on, and not all all of them are going to like you know have a very nice time because of that very terrible experience that they all had in last year. Do you, and they, this there, is there terrible. Were two thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. What? I How pers- many were able to actually go into the convention itself? Eight hundred, probably around that amount. Wow. So there was I- probably there was a lot of there was a convention outside of the of the convention yeah, itself. Maybe. It sounds like. Yeah. You, you can basically say that because at that time, from what I've heard, is that they only let people who pre-regged. Inside of the con, and those who bought the tickets right before the con, like outside of the door, will not get in because it's too crowded. Now yeah. I feel so lucky that I wasn't there. Yeah, it's that's not... what I heard. And I'm guessing yeah. that they didn't issue any sort of refunds whatsoever to nope. those people that couldn't even get inside. You bought the ticket. That's they it. don't even get a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> that's so terribly organized. Three yeah, just years. like the same. Just like wow, and I thought our convention was bad. <laughs> just Your just convention like... is great. Oh my god, what are we <laughs> talking about? Uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I didn't yeah. know. Not that I like think I know everything, but it's not like it's a small event. <laughs> like the first two cons that experience uh, in 2016 and 17 was. One of them was located inside another anime con, so you, you guys probably didn't heard of that because a lot of people just don't know about it at all. So there was an anime convention that was going on the same exact time that the furry convention was going on. So no, it's like furry uh, con it's the furry con. Anime con, yeah. The furry con is located within the range of the anime con. It's like a part of it. Oh, okay. What what is the I'm I'm looking. Okay, here's what I'm doing right now. Is you guys are talking about this timeline, and I'm looking about when we. So we have this video on YouTube, and someone um, named Shu came and said, "Hey, I want to translate this to Chinese." And so now we've got people from China who go to YouTube and comment on it. But they posted it in on this on the Chinese YouTube. I can't remember the name of it. But I'm thinking it took us. You were already having your con, and someone reached out to us. Like, I'm surprised that we hadn't heard of it. They don't uh, go. So Chinese cons run differently. So in Western, it's more like a commercial style where you go publicly, publicly announce. You go put ads everywhere, stuff like that. Chinese con is more like a word-to-word, uh, you know, spread to the word stuff. Yeah, it's spread so, from word word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the major reason you don't hear about it. So because they don't do that kind of, you know, ads. At all. Mm-hmm. So they have access to FA. They don't. They don't post it on 
Ethan. Oh, uh, they they don't speak English. A lot of them <laughs> don't speak English. Most That's the yeah. major problem here. Yeah, the organizers don't speak English, and also the FA's Chinese user is not that much. So I don't, I know, I I guess they just don't need it. I mean, a lot of people have foreign affinity accounts just because they want to log in there to check if picks and other normal picks. So, but they don't post anything because they don't know how to organize their words into English. That's me. I I I wish that there was a way to make this easier, though. Like, you guys are doing way more work than I am. Like, you're all speaking English to me. I don't. I I know like how to say hi in Chinese, and then the rest is Google Translate. But do you speak Spanish? I do. No. Oh, so well, here you go. But it's a foreign language. Well, sure, but I was raised with it. There's a difference. I didn't like go out. I didn't go to school and learn it. You oh. know. Um, I mean, that's interesting. Speaking English is not complimentary. You have to. I I think what it is is I want to feel more like we could do our, we could do our part to welcome people from China to FA and like make them feel more included. That's what I want to do. This is what I'm feeling at the moment. I'm feeling pissed that nobody's doing that. Well, not just not just FA, but to to everything. Every, yeah. You know what? You you know what? Furry Amino is actually pushing Chinese people away. Why? We have Furry, really、what? bad experiences for that. Because、uh, there was a public chat room that a Chinese founder called、uh, a Fat Cat, and he invited like more than a hundred people in that private、uh, public chat room, and we we're all speaking Chinese. And one of the time, the one of the admin come in and tell us, "Oh, they they they, they didn't say anything. Just another Chinese furry group. The, the the chat room got shut down because they speak Chinese in it, and admins cannot read that. So." They erased that chat, and one of those people who got shut down came back to this group, which have more than a hundred person, and posted the the,、uh, the 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 screenshots of the admins saying, "You can't speak Chinese here," and shut down the group. And then the other admin just rushed in and, without saying a word, shut down the whole group. Yeah, just because we speak Chinese and they can't read it. Drama. I love this. <laughs> oh my god!、Uh, yeah, that's,、uh, that's what that's what Google Translate is for. Or like, there's so many other programs out there. Like, it's so easy to to copy something. And I mean, nowadays it's with technology. I think that I, I mean, I I have Husky, or as Tug says, my second. <laughs> yeah.、Um, wow. He he's talking to people in, in Russia all the time, and、um, you know he's been and and he has a couple of、um, uh, people in China that he's he's talking to as well. I mean, he just bought like four or five um, um, Chinese. I mean, you know, to be able to learn、um, the language, and so man, I think it's Mandarin that he got, but I'm I'm not. Positive, what he got. But anyways, it's my point is, is technology now has really bridged the gap, and people just need to learn how to use it. <laughs> so I'm sorry that you've had that experience. That's that's horrible. You have to keep in mind though that there's no Google Translate in China. There's no Google. Oh, we have. No, no, we we have Google Translate. Oh, okay. Translation is translation、yeah. is there. It's it's still usable, just not the search engine itself, and、huh. all the services. Build around it. 
like Google Docs. So I know that you guys probably don't get to go down to Hong Kong, if ever. But, like, is Google blocked in Hong Kong or is it open in Hong Kong? No, no. It's open. open. Everything's open. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. So it's like two different countries. <laughs> For a while. For a while. Oh, my goodness. Okay, hey, we got a last-minute email from Snares, and I wanted to make sure we got it in. Um, Snares says, Hi, cast and crew of For What It's Worth. I hope this email makes it to you on time. I have some questions for your Chinese furry guests. And this, they, we can't ask some of them, but the one that we are going to ask is, Has the furry community and our lifestyle helped alter your worldviews in a positive manner? If so, how? That's yeah, a good does. pun. Positive. I think, uh, yeah, furries, uh, at my own experience, furries help me so much in terms of the lifestyles or other things. I consider myself is full furry style right now because I just quitted my day job. And now I'm just <laughs> living. <laughs> yeah. I, even even before I quitted, I actually I just suit up into my company doing the, uh, doing the Halloween days. And then I won a price. And one of the first parts of the Halloween costume there, which is great. So first for me is really a large portion of my life, and I live with, and I I build my own first so that I love, I enjoy everything that furry does, and everything that's furry. So I I consider myself a very big benefited from the furry lifestyle. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And- being a furry is the best thing ever happened to happen to me. Yeah, you know, uh, in my high school times, I used to have uh, social problems social and problem. depressions, uh, etc. But uh, came uh, when I came across this fandom, it's a. Uh, I have this. Uh, uh, you know, the fandom gives me this open and warm feelings that everyone's friendly, even more friendly than my real-life friends and my classmates, you know. I used to have people bullying me in schools and and just uh, came, came into this fandom, changed a lot of things in, in real life for me, yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, if Pig did save me from depression. True. And I, I myself is a uh, furry trash, uh, and my roommates are nice enough to allow me to build my own fursuit in the crowded uh, dormitory room, which uh, accommodate four people and get fluffs everywhere. Yeah, they are. They really accept me as a furry. I tell everyone I'm a furry. Don't say you're Same. furry trash, though. That's that's totally not <laughs> a thing. Oh, geez. My personal fan group's name is Tommy's Furry Trash Can. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Somebody's a raccoon here. Is that is is that what that is? And you you also got a furry trash episode and read my email on that. Yeah, I know. We did, but if you remember, Anuka did a thing saying, "Don't use that. Don't normalize it." I'm doing uh. it because I am. I, I made a video of like just like how Nas Hyena did like. 25 signs that you are a for trash. Well, then it's we must be like, we're the trashiest of them all, there. I guess. We have a show for this stuff. <laughs> oh, man. So, I know we already talked a little bit about this, but 
um, because we we talked a little bit about the anime and anime conventions and um, the anime groups that are out there and how they tend to kind of um, people end up mixing anime individuals for furries. It's kind of like within. Uh, never mind. I'm getting off subject. But here's the here's the question. What's what is the perception of furry in China? So we it's kind, kind of, of actually fine. So furries in China is new, and uh, I think a good thing about it is not many Chinese people know the furry terrible history in the westerns. So they have no idea what's the bad name of furries are. And uh, because all the YouTube are blocked and all the porn sites are blocked, they have no idea what furries are pinky stuff. That's a good sign. <laughs> so we can. <laughs> so the good thing is we can build the furries uh, face from start, which is what we're doing right now. So we're trying to show off the best of the furries to Chinese people, so they don't get to know the terrible stuff. So wait, you guys don't know what the um the I mean they don't know what the CSI furry episode is Shut they up. have no idea they don't they have no, they, idea, they have no idea at all they don't know. know about it what would the, the world be like if if nobody knew about that stupid episode i am just imagining yeah. i'm imagining you guys like one of you are in a room and it's it's sunset and you have your friend and you go and this is with subtitles mind you because you know i don't speak chinese you go I have something I need to show you since you know about the furry. And then, like, you open up, like, your laptop. You're like, there's also porn. And they're like, oh, that's kind of hot. Yeah, they're probably going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> except that's except so the subtitle funny. has an emoji for hot instead of, like, the word hot. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jeez. do you guys do you guys find now that you have more furry friends than non-furry friends? Oh, definitely. Yeah, most of sure. my friends are furries. Wow. See, that's I awesome. Mean, personally, I, I I don't like to like socialize with real Chinese person because they think a lot. And as for the furries, I just go with it because I can basically say whatever I want as long as it's appropriate, but I don't have to t worry too much about how other people thinks about me because it's like, it's a accepting fandom. I, I almost wonder, and you guys obviously, I hope this strikes a chord with you, I guess, is I almost wonder if because there's face and expectation and all these cultural pressures to to conform that being able to strive for your idealized self in the form of a fursona is almost freeing to an extreme degree where it just is like night and day makes you happy. Yep. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Well, now I've learned that we aren't so different. I'm also experiencing many emotions at this moment. Rue, you need to ask a question. Yeah. Okay. So I want to I I wanted to ask you guys. You probably already covered this in the first half, so if I'm repeating, I apologize. But I want to know about the fursuits over in China. The reason why is because there's a lot of um a lot of individuals here. In fact, we we know somebody. Um his name is Hayrider. He actually was the one that we did um the episode on my first fursuit. And a lot of um his his um fursuit itself was actually created, um, inspired on a lot of the the fursuits that that are located over in in your guys's area. 
um, with the much bigger eyes, kind of like the glass eyes and different things like that. Not Kim, not the realistic uh, ones, but like the the yeah, anime. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Tunes. There is a like a screen outside of the eye mesh to create a more blinky look. It, it's just how uh, kimono style suits works, and that's something. Since you mentioned, uh, I, I don't know if you finished the uh, question or not. If not, please continue. No, Go ahead. Okay, so、um, first suits in China are mostly, like, what I mean mostly is like ninety five percent. In like、uh, cartoons, not cartoon. It's like kimono style, just Japanese style of fursuits, and like ninety、uh, percent of the fursuit makers are making kimono styles, and they love it. But there's not much、um, tuning styles fursuit makers, and、uh, I think Spark is one of those rare animals who makes reality suits. So yeah, so the Chinese fursuit making and also the furry fandom、uh, fursuit space is actually most influenced by the Japanese furries, which has、uh, very cute eyes and faces and、uh, super big eyes and glassy eyes. So and、uh, most of the furry <coughs> tutorials they got is actually from Japan instead of the Americas. I don't actually know anybody in China is doing American tuning styles. First, the、uh, there, there are, there are uh, only a、They're、very few of them. Like, they are not、yeah. studio stuff. So most of the Chinese first either do realistic or Japanese styles first. All I can say is your guys' first suits over there are just fucking adorable. Like they are just amazing, and I, I feel like that a lot of、um, a lot of the first suits over here. I mean. It's we have adorable fursuits over here as well, but the problem is, is they're start. I I feel like that they're starting to all look the same. They kind of are. Maybe it's just because I've been in the fandom for such a a long time, but、um, you kind of have been. But yeah, for, <laughs> but for you guys, yours just it's unique. It's different, and so. And you know, if you don't watch the kimono style for too long, they are, they will still look all the same. And, <laughs> yeah, you just haven't、different. seen them in the Western too much. Yeah, I mean, have... I mean, if you if you look at all those popufers in China, you'll basically see ninety percent of them have a Japanese-made fursuit, and they'll those basically looks exactly the same, just despite of the color patterns. Yeah, yeah.、And、I think the American ones. Yeah, America, the、uh, North America has、um, really like big fursuit、uh, studios, which、mm-hmm. you know. Makes tens of twenties of first a year, like these are commercialized. And in China, it's not. But still, we have the same problem. We have too many Japanese style first. First, you you will see the same thing. Just、uh, if if you see Japanese styles too much, it's looking the same. So it's not that much of difference. But the good thing is,、uh, some Chinese first makers are. Starting to have their own styles based on their own experiences and preferences, and that is something we have never expected. But、um, then again, a lot of Chinese people don't have a choice because there is not much fursuit maker out there to choose from. Just like、uh, if you look at the American fandom, you you see huge names like Made for You, More for Less, One for All, and all those other stuffs. 
and Lemon Brats, which is a medium ranked first mm-hmm. maker, I guess. So there are a lot of things to choose from. And it's just Toonie style, but Toonie style have a lot of like other differences, which differences uh, differs from maker to maker. But in China, mm, it's just not that. It's just not how they make their fursuits. They just try to make their fursuit look like the two um, famous Japanese maker. And I can't remember one of the names. The other one is Kimono Line, which is the same com- uh, studio that did Sherbert's fursuit. Hmm. So they're basically pursuing that style rather than developing their own techniques and stuff. It's just kind of sad. Yeah, that is that is definitely sad. I wish that we could get more. I don't know. I wish it was easier for us to be able to um, to get integrate. In well, integrate the you know the mixture of the fursuits. Like you know, we'll we'll push some of our makers over there, and you push <laughs> some of your makers over here. <laughs> you know what? The, the, the only thing that is difficult because Chinese people. Like normal, like uh, furries, get around uh, four thousand Chinese RMB a month, which is approximately more than six hundred to seven hundred dollars a month. So that they cannot buy a two thousand dollar fursuit just in, in a blink of an eye. It's not something that we we can just like you guys buy a PS4 or an iPhone, it's not it's not how things works. Because you guys earn like a thousand two two thousand dollars a month and you pay like um, monthly installments for all of the things you, you purchased and you still get a lot of money. And with that money you can easily get a Chinese made fursuit, but it's not gonna like do much when you have a low salary as Chinese people. That's why I'm making my own first suit, and the budget is, I guess, less than a hundred dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, definitely, if you can make your, you make your own first suit. I mean, I'm guessing though that the cost of materials is, is still pretty expensive itself. No, it's no, no, it's cheap. way cheaper no. than, than the United States. Yeah. You yeah. know what? One time, uh, telephone, you know, yeah, you know, eight seven 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 seven, uh. She posted a link, a, a screenshot on her Twitter asking about a type of short shag or short pile fur. And that fur was uh, $25, uh, exclude shipping, which is from China, and uh, for like half a meter times 160 me- centimeter, that is a small pro- portion of the shag. And in China, that price is actually 10 one one tenth. All right. So what we're gonna do is, amongst all of us here, we're gonna start a business, <laughs> <laughs> and you guys send stuff to us, and we'll go ahead and sell it, and then give you guys. <laughs> as, as soon as you get that APEC card, Drew, we'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're we're running uh, out of time for the segment, so. There's there's one little question and one big question that I wanted to toss your way. The the little question is, if if a Western style convention happened in China, would it be a success in your opinion? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Definitely. Like, 
like Definitely. you guys would take time off of work. I don't know. If, I, I, I'm assuming, oh, and you guys would oh, just hell go. yeah, hell yeah. Why not? We already did take time off for that terrible convention. Why not for good convention? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, true. You know the main differences between Chinese conventions and uh, like furry conventions in particular, and the American furry conventions is that you guys have a organization for that. If you look closer into like every single convention's website, there's point .org at the end of it. But in China, it's just persons. It's just friends and a bunch of people rather than a whole organization. They don't have much differences, uh, disciplines in there. It's not treated as a proper project. It's just more of a personal interest and things that they want to do. It's just like that. It's just too simple. Are there you non-profits it, in China? Uh, they do have profits, but it's it's between too people much and profits. people. It's not organizations and people. Um, it's like uh, they they don't run it as a proper, you know, continuous, you know, affordable continuous project for long term. They kind of look at it as short terms. They want the best of the, the box for every single coverage, which turns up in a very terrible experience for the rest of the very band. And I think this year is kind of getting better because we have three, four conventions going on at the same time. Now, from I think starting from this year, furries actually in China can choose which better ones to go next year. So the, those ones doing terrible job, people are just going to turn away from them. And so that's going to drive to a more competitive and much more, like, you know, to a good pattern. And to be honest, they they start even started to have like uh, business relationships with one of the Chinese most biggest uh, subculture video website called Bilibili, and um, they have invited some guest of honors from Japan, and which is getting more formal of a furry convention rather than just a normal meetup. We have a video on Bilibili. I don't I don't control it, but I know it's on there. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. is that their mic count? <laughs> Is it yours? I I did a cross post. I cross post your uh, video by Doctor Nuka. There you go. I, th- I thought it was you. Many YouTubers. Yeah. yeah. How how is it doing? Is it doing well? Do people watch it? Tell me about our video. <laughs> <laughs> they love it. I you can go to Bitty Bitty. It's not a lot. I also crossed post some other videos from First Science, and we we did our best to translate them and give subtitles. People just love them and say they learned a lot about it. Yeah. Huh. Well, we've got another one coming, so. Great. Well, on that note, why don't we go ahead and go to break, and we'll be back. Okay. You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth Brand Pants. Yes, For What It's Worth Brand Pants. We want you in ours so badly, we keep letting you know how available they are. It's getting warm out. You're probably tempted to put on shorts. Don't do that. The sun will see your legs and want to inject you with its cancer juice. Better keep covered up. You don't want to die because of sun cancer juice, do you? I didn't think so. Also, we have a Patreon campaign to help us keep the show going. If you don't want into our pants, contribute to the campaign and I'll keep mine on. For what it's worth, brand pants. What's in your inseam? 
Hello, and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. Let's say you're meeting someone for the first time. It doesn't really matter why. Maybe it's a blind date, or a new coworker, or just meeting a friend of a friend. In that one interaction, whether it lasts for two minutes or for two hours, you'll have gone from not knowing the person to having a set of beliefs and opinions about them. But where do these beliefs and opinions come from? What makes you like or dislike this person? What do you notice about them and what things do you ignore? And even more important, what do they think about you and do you have any control over it? Questions like these focus on what psychologists call impression formation. To understand what impression formation is, it's helpful to draw an analogy to how our visual system recognizes objects in the world around us. Our visual system takes in a giant mess of information about color, shape, size, and movement, and it makes sense of it all, so we can have a coherent picture of the world and what's in it. We do something similar when it comes to people. When we first encounter someone, they're a giant mess of information. Their physical appearance, the things they say, their body language and posture, the groups they belong to, and how they respond to us. It's our brain's job to take this mess of information and form it into a coherent set of impressions and beliefs about that person. In a nutshell, impression formation is the story of how we form these beliefs and opinions about others. You could take an entire course just on how we form these impressions. For this program, we'll simplify things and reduce impression formation to three simple principles. The first principle is that we form impressions very quickly from thin slices of behavior. The second principle is that we tend to focus on negative information more so than positive information. The third principle is that first impressions stick with us and influence all of our later impressions. We'll go through each of these principles in turn. First, we learn a lot about people from thin slices of behavior. In fact, whether you realize it or not, you've already formed a fairly accurate picture of someone within the first few seconds of observing them. Not minutes, seconds. How do we know this? Well, in a 1993 study by Ambity and Rosenthal, participants were asked to watch a 10-second video clip of different professors teaching. They were then asked to evaluate how good they thought each professor was. These ratings were compared to the ratings of students who had actually taken an entire course with that professor. The results showed that participants' scores were highly correlated with the scores of the students in those classes. That is, they largely agreed with each other. This was true even though the participants had only seen the professor teach for 10 seconds. In fact, the correlation remained fairly high even when the videos were cut down to only two seconds long. The point is, within the first few seconds of meeting someone, you've already got a pretty good idea about whether you're gonna like them or not. The second principle states that when it comes to evaluating people, negative information stands out a lot more than positive information does. This makes a lot of sense from an evolutionary perspective. Missing out on something good in our environments isn't nearly as deadly to us as missing out on something that's a potential threat. Because of this, we're hypersensitive to negative traits. And studies have shown, for example, that people are much faster at noticing a frowning face in a crowd than they are at noticing a smiling face in a crowd. We can see this tendency to focus on negative traits in action when it comes to our attitudes towards celebrities and scandals. Beloved celebrities with careers um, that have spanned decades can be brought down in an instance by a single negative tweet or a single bad behavior. In day-to-day -day terms, imagine being told that someone you were about to meet was smart, motivated, charismatic, violent, 
confident, physically fit, and hardworking. Amidst that sea of positive traits, the one negative trait, violent, really sours your impression of them, doesn't it? The third and arguably most important principle is that first impressions are everything. Once you've made up your mind about someone, it's incredibly difficult to change that impression. This is partly because once you've formed an impression about someone, all new information about them is weighed against that first impression. In a 1950 study, Dr. Harold Kelly had a class of students evaluate a guest professor. The students were all given a piece of paper describing the professor beforehand. They were all told about the professor's age, their career, their experience. However, some students were told that the professor was a bit of a cold person, while others were told that the professor was a fairly warm person. The result? Students who were told beforehand that the professor was cold rated him as far more unsociable and irritable than the students who were told that he was a very warm person. These students rated him as having a sense of humor. Keep in mind, the students saw the exact same professor giving the exact same lecture at the exact same time. The only difference was what they were told about him beforehand. Once that first impression set in, everything the professor did was interpreted through the lens of that first impression. This, by the way, is why any good defense lawyer will tell their client to dress in a suit and act professionally in the courtroom. It's because they know that a bad first impression with the jury can completely sink the case. These principles of impression formation are incredibly relevant to the furry fandom, where people are meeting and forming impressions of one another all the time. When you join a new group, you're forming new impressions of those people, and they're doing the same for you, often within the first few seconds of meeting you. And yes, this research also explains why negative behavior in the fandom tends to spread like wildfire. Acting up at a convention or saying something inappropriate online will get you talked about by the fandom a whole lot more than doing charity work or saying something positive will. And if your reputation has been tarnished by a single bad behavior, well, it could take years to overcome that negative first impression that so many people have formed about you. The take home message is this. Forming impressions about others is something we do so quickly and so effortlessly that we hardly realize we're doing it. While it's comforting to think of ourselves as cool, detached, and rational when dealing with others, the truth is that we've often made up our minds about people in an instant, using the same quick and dirty, bias-filled mind we evolved tens of thousands of years ago. So the next time you find yourself judging someone else, it's worth pausing for a moment and asking how exactly you formed that impression of them. It's also worth keeping in mind how you're coming across to others. Whether it's joining a local furry group, going on a blind date, or heading into a job interview. Remember, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. This has been a quick look at the psychology of impression formation. I'm Dr. Nuka, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. So, all right, all right. So we're going to start again, right, Tux? <laughs> yes. God, I'm just having fun because everyone got so serious. <clears throat> and welcome back. There, are you happy, Rue? No. Why? <sighs> uh, all right, well, just so everyone knows, on the break, we had Nuka pay a visit to these guys. It was amazing and cool. I sound like Rue saying that. Um, but now we're back, and we wanted to ask you guys for the final thought question, which is what... Do you guys want 
everyone outside of China to know about the Chinese furry fandom. Shall we take turns? Yes. If you talk all at once, it won't work very well. Okay. okay. So I. All right. How about this? I'll cue people in. Let's go with. um, We'll go with Phantom first. Okay. I wanted to everybody know that Chinese very friend is super new. So, yeah, and uh, we're very, very young and uh, we're expanding very fast throughout the time. It's like the early times in American fandom, very fandom. Yeah. All right, Tommy. Okay, so for me, it's like uh, I want that everybody else in the fandom in the world who can hear this episode to know that Chinese furry fandom is a pretty much very welcome community, which you can basically speak whatever you want as long as you can understand us, which is Google Translation can do the job for you. And um, if you ever want to come to pay China a visit, you could probably choose to the summer vacation where a lot of the conventions are located. And if you can successfully get in touch with some of the Chinese furries, you'll get a very good experience because you can like do a lot of sightseeing and other stuff besides the furry thingy. So it will be a great experience, a lifetime experience even. So yeah, that's all I have for the world. And Husky? Yeah, I just want to let everyone know that the Chinese fandom is always welcome for welcome to anyone across the world. Yeah, we are we are very welcoming people. All right, and then last but not least, the fox of the the fox of this conversation. Go ahead. Okay, Uh, I want you to know that. Uh, the Chinese furry fandom is quite young, and the young generation of furries are trying to make more content creators. Uh, like one of my awesome friends has set up a first thick group to gather all the furry musicians. And they are also setting up chat groups in which everybody, in which everybody speaks English, English and welcome overseas furries to chat with us. So feel, uh, feel comfortable to connect us. Yes? Awesome. You know, I wanted to thank each of you for coming on the show because I mean, you guys are just amazing. You are. I. I. It's one of Tugs's terms that he always says, or that I always say that I. Wow, I just totally just went off track there. Take two. But no, my whole point is is that I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really appreciate it. You really have opened up our eyes to your culture, and um. And I think it's just, I think it's amazing where it's like, it, there's a whole other world over on the other side. And, and I think that it's, it's great for people to, to learn about other, other people's cu- cultures and so that they can show a little bit more um, tolerance and respect for each other. We're honored. It's our honor. Our pleasure. Okay. Well, let us move forward into the housekeeping section which our soundboard is having some technical issues so pretend that you heard the music Ah! all right so in housekeeping we wanted to thank our lovely supporting cast we have voss who does all the little fiddly bits that we don't like doing and we have fire breath who does our announcements 
I also wanted to thank Mr. Tugs here, who does a lot. He also edits the show. I don't know if you guys knew that, but he puts a lot of effort and time into polishing those things and putting them together. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you, Rue, and I just want to thank you for being the woman that you are. <laughs> thank you. I'll just touch my breast just a little bit. Oh, I'll do it too. <laughs> We're doing it together. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you've also, ex- experienced emotions please tell us about it on our site we like it when you comment also please feel free to share this episode on social media and tell um, a friend we appreciate getting the the word out there yep um also join us on our telegram channel we are we are lonely there no actually we have a lot of people that are on there we have quite a community so if you want to join the the for what it's worth should we call them for what for what it's worth, Ian's? Should for we do that? For what it's worthers? No. <laughs> Just kidding. You if call you them fans. Join... I call them listeners. Oh, okay. If you want to join them, um, please feel free to send us a message. You can send me a message on Telegram at, at WineRedFox, or you can send an email to us at cast at for what it's worth dot com, and we'll make sure to add you. Yep. You must be 18 before you can apply. Ooh. Yep. All right. Um, also, like we said, tell a friend. More listeners means more Patreon potentials. No, uh, but it does help us. Uh, one of the ways that we want to grow the show is word of mouth. If we start selling ads, it's going to just not jive with what we want. So please tell a friend. Please. That's pretty much all of, all that we do as far as with our marketing. I mean, we haven't paid one cent towards um, any sort of advertising whatsoever. Yep. So. Anywho, so it's now time for you guys to be able to pimp yourself. So if somebody wants to reach out to you and, you know, ask you a couple of questions or, you know, if you have some work that you want to to pimp or whatever, go ahead and um, share it with us. Okay. Okay. Um, In the Telegram chat, and you can also get me on Twitter at CrazySimone. Okay, so uh, I think I'll be in uh, for for what it's worth Telegram chat for a little bit, and uh, feel free to contact me at uh, Tommy Crash in the Telegram chat of for for what it's worth. And uh, if you have any questions about China, about the furry fandom in China, about how to travel and what you're gonna prepare and other stuff, just reach out to me. I'm always open. Husky. Hey, Husky. Husky. Oh, <laughs> he does it again. Uh, that's what Husky sounds like. Oh, yeah. I thought, because I, th- I have Crypto Kitties open in the back. I'm like, did it just start making noises? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phantom. All right, so my is um, on Sky, um, I mean, Twitter is uh, Phantom Spark Shi, that's S H R on the end, and uh, also on F A and everything else should be Phantom Spark. You sh- you can find me everywhere. Basically, if you know the head. Yeah. And I I wanted to remind you guys that if you have any questions directly for Tugs, you can reach him at tugs at for what it's worth dot com. If you have any questions for Rue, you can send it to Rue at ForWhatIt'sWorth.com or you can send it a uh, question actually 
to Voss. We have a brand new email for him at Voss at ForWhatIt'sWorth.com. Here's what's coming on the next For What It's Worth. We're going to be talking about autism in the fandom. My name is Buck. Um, I've been around here a little bit. Uh, I do music like I I have done some of the theme songs, Um, but I'm also autistic. So that's why I'm a relevant guest. (laughs) I would feel like I'm talking down to somebody doing that. Like, but you can't do this because this, 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 this. I feel like I'm lecturing you about something super basic and that feels very condescending. And then you can kind of take this sort of idea of this thing that people can do just automatically without thinking about it. For me, I've actually like memorized social pattern. Hey, are you using that? No, here, and just gives it to you. Because they're fearful of being treated differently and nobody wants to. At that particular time, I was young and stupid. And I said to the counselor, I don't need help. I don't need assistance from a tutor. I can do this by myself. So send us anything everything you want to know something you want us to touch on a particular topic or touch you catch it on itunes google play music podcasts stitcher and for what it's worth.com so do the thing on that note this has been rue this is tugs this is simone this is phantom this is husky and this is Tommy. Yeah. And this is and, and this is Voss somewhere. <laughs> way over, yeah, see, you can hear him. <laughs> He's there. Yeah. And this has been for what it's well, worth. What what it's worth. Damn it, they all know it. Yay! <laughs> so okay, cold.